This is the Grow My Clinic podcast by Clinic Mastery, where we help you deliver amazing client experiences to grow your clinic. Well, welcome to another episode of the Grow My Clinic podcast. My name is Jack O'Brien, your host today, and we have a very special guest with us, Joel Friedlander. Joel from Clinico. How are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. That's good. Joel from Clinico is probably what you're known as more than anything. Your name pops up all over the interwebs that way. But uh, for those listening um, and aren't familiar, um, get out from under the rock you've been living under. But Clinico is a practice management software uh, in the allied health space that's based in the cloud and is making uh, massive waves in our industry. And uh, Joel's the, the brain the brains behind it all, I guess, or at least it's starting up uh, as a fantastic team now. So Joel, can you, uh, for the listeners who are uninitiated, can you fill us in on what Clinico is? Yeah, so it's practice management software specifically for allied health, and it basically does appointments, treatment notes, payments, and you know communications and a bunch of other stuff you need. Typically, it should be pretty much the only software you need uh, to run your business with a few other little bits and pieces on the side generally. Yeah, love it. And so we're going to dig into a little bit of how Clinico works, but uh, as we progress through this interview, um, there's some really interesting insights into how you run your team uh, and how clinics can utilize tech to improve their, their client experience. So to start with, though, can you tell us a bit about your story, why you created a practice management software and how did you end up where you are today? Sure. So mostly I started because my partner is an osteopath mm-hmm. and she'd been asking me for a long time to build something for the industry. She was using a bunch of different systems that she wasn't enjoying uh, and thought something better could be out there. Uh, and in the end, it kind of came about because we'd, um, we'd taken a loan from the bank to renovate our house. And <laughs> once that had got approved and we realized there was some money in the bank, um, rather than renovate the house, uh, I quit my job and thought I'd live off that for a bit and hope to make some software that could be profitable before we uh, run out of money. So I you know, got started in the back of my house building Clinico. And fortunately, um, it was successful. People started to use it. It grew. We obviously added to the team, not just myself anymore. There's 27 of us now. Great. And um, we've extended, you know, quite a lot since the first release we had of it. But really, it was for that initial need um, that I I just knew and I'd seen software that my partner was using and knew we could do something more modern was the main part of it. Okay. And so that's now evolved over how many years has Clinico been around? Uh, We launched in 2011. So it's been almost seven years. Okay. And you've added in a whole bunch of features and um, requests. I, I think one of the, the fascinating things about Clinico is it, it is so user-driven and user-based. There's a really strong community there and, and you seem to be really responsive. And that probably speaks to the type of company that you've built. We'll, we'll get into the features of, of Clinico a little bit more as we go, but can you speak to the type of company you've built, listening to customers, really flat management structure and um, why you went down that route? Sure. I think the listening to customers is uh, probably really driven from a need more than anything is that uh, I'm not an osteopath. I'm not an allied health practitioner myself and I'm building and designing software for them. And that's a challenge. You know, my background is software. My background is technology. So uh, I, I know how to build software, but how it should work, the workflows that people use in their business, the things that they need and the priorities they have. Obviously, my partner in the early stages was a big help for that but there's a lot of different size businesses. There's a lot of different modalities that are using it. And there's no way we can understand and design software well for that without talking to people, without listening to people. So it's been a huge part of it for us is, you know, going out there, reaching out, building a community and getting some engagement with people using our system so we can really talk to them, find out what they need, how they work 
and really in an in-depth way because a lot of times people will know sort of what they want the software to do but not necessarily how they want to do it and that's where sure. we come in. So it's a matter of finding out what that real need is and then seeing how could software deliver that or solve that in a good way. Hmm. Fascinating. And I think if we can press into that a little bit more, the extension of that is you've created a company that's remarkably transparent, especially around your flaws. Um, not that there's many of them. Can you speak to the impact that's had and, and why you're so transparent around when things go wrong? Sure. I think that part of starting the business was like creating a company that we would want to deal with ourselves and um, maybe just not feeling like we need to act like normal companies act for the sake of. Uh, and I think part of that as well is that we realize that every company has different context. So you can try to copy how another company behaves, but they have different customers, different size, different origins, different, maybe they've got funding, but whatever it might be, there's a whole bunch of constraints and reasons that impact how that company behaves. So if we're to go and copy it in our different situation, it probably wouldn't work anyway. So we kind of just thought, let's just build it how we would want a company to be yeah. and how it makes sense for our customers, for us running it. And it turned out that um, that was a very transparent company. We're very open with everyone. We have no secrets. We yep. see no reason to have secrets. Sure. In fact, I would say our customers do us a great service to trust us, to use us, to pay us money to use the software. You know, that's who we're working for. They're effectively our employers. So we, we need to do right by them. And part of that is letting them know everything that's going on. And I think that sort of um, filled down into our team as well. And the way we work was a matter of, you know, what would make sense for us. And some things, you know, we do, for example, is people in our team um, work when they want. They don't have set hours to work. They work when they want because we're hiring good people that are passionate about their work. We don't need to micromanage and control that. And I, I know for myself, like, I'm not a morning person. So <laughs> if I'm forced to work 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., the start of my day is really unproductive. But mm -hmm. the end of my day is quite good. And if I'm going to cut it off at 5, I'm going to interrupt when I'm in the zone and getting some good work done. So I, I think in general for our team, we've got a whole bunch of different personalities that work best in different ways and trying to stifle that unnecessarily um, you know, would be a kick to our productivity. Okay. So your team can work whatever hours they want as long as the job gets done and customers are looked after. Is that the essence of it? Absolutely. And I think that in general, like if I've got a developer in our team, you know, working on Clinico, the number of hours they spend working on Clinico is not a useful metric. You know, you as a customer, you don't care if someone spent 30 hours working on Clinico, that doesn't deliver anything to you. Sure. What you care about is that a feature got added, a bug got fixed, the performance got improved, the actual value is in the work itself. So I think it's kind of strange that we're so hung up on the hours in general. You know, every employment contract you get will specify how many hours you have to work a day, not much, how much work you have to get done a day. And that's like the important bit. So mm -hmm. I think in general, we've got this weird focus on time spent and it's not directly correlated to work done. And that's where we should be, you know, worrying more. Mm, it's uh yeah it's fascinating a friend of mine brad beer from pogo physio on the gold coast has moved towards a treatment model now i'm not sure if you're familiar but uh where it's not a, a time for service model it doesn't matter how many consults you need to get better it, it's a it's an outcome-based model you, you pay for an outcome not four sessions or ten sessions or whatever it takes it's the outcome that, that's important it doesn't matter how we get there as long as we get there so Okay, so that must do wonders for your team culture and, and the vibe around the place or the virtual place. Um, talk to us about like kind of the remote workplace and the, the, the flexibilities that they've got around holidays, that sort of thing. Sure. So our team is uh, spread out around the world. So we have 27 in the team. I think we're about eight in Australia now and we've got quite a few in the US, UK, France, Brazil, 
uh, Ireland, all over the place, Malaysia. Um, the team spread everywhere. And I mean, even that was kind of by chance. It wasn't an intentional thing. When we tried to hire um, our first programmer, I'd put out a job ad asking for someone in Melbourne because I thought it'd be really good to sit next to someone at a desk and work yeah. with them on building Clinico. And one of the applications I got was from a guy in Poland. And I was still open to the idea, so didn't reject it straight away, although I was quite hesitant to pursue it. But it turned out that they were clearly the best candidate that had applied. So it made me rethink, do I really need someone in Melbourne? Ended up deciding no and hired this person who is still with us today. Ironically, he's actually moved to Melbourne now. Oh, okay. uh, but you know, it, it really changed. So we got set up to work with people that were remote and I found a lot of advantages in remote work. Um, the number one is I can just hire the best person available. Right. If I'm looking to hire someone and I've got to hire them in Melbourne, the amount of people in Melbourne within a certain vicinity of my office that are looking for this kind of job at this particular time and are very good is such a small number. That's so cool. if I'm trying to hire the best people, I'm kidding myself if I think I'm hiring the best and I'm restricting it to all those parameters. If I look worldwide, we get hundreds of applicants every time we offer a job. So I'm choosing from a lot of people and we get some quality applicants in there and it makes a huge difference to the quality of team we have now, the fact that we were prepared to look remote. And then there's, I think, the side benefits that we gain, which is a lot less interrupted work. Um, offices aren't exactly known for being like a really productive place, which is kind of ironic because it's a place designed to do work right. and they're usually designed quite poorly for that purpose. You know, so many times you hear of people wanting to stay home for a day to get some stuff done because they're really busy and they don't want the interruption of the meetings or whatever in the office. So I find for us, we, we get a lot um, of productivity for being remote and not having those interruptions and I think just working in a more focused way. Mm -hmm. So aside from um, remote, other things we have you touched on is our team has unlimited annual leave. Mm -hmm. So um, again, I just think that, you know, in Australia we have a four-week annual leave as a standard thing, but it's not the exact right amount for everyone. You know, people with families probably need a little bit more. Some people might want less or even just like when you're working and when you're not becomes a little fuzzy, if you're working remotely, if you can work whatever hours you want, like it's not always clear cut when you're actually on or not and having to track it and having to time it can be hard. Sure. So we do unlimited annual leave and we recommend a minimum of four weeks because it is a risk that it can be a bit of a trap where people feel guilty to not take time off. Sure if you're not specifying. So we do tell people take at least four weeks off, but we don't actually track it or care and people just take the time they want and we just trust that over their tenure at our company, they will get a lot of good work done. Fascinating. Uh, it's, uh, and has anyone abused it? No, not, um, not at all. It, it really just worked. Like if anything, I have to make sure people are taking enough time off and actually leaving. That's probably the harder bit. And likewise, we work a 30-hour work week as a standard work week. And, um, and even then, though, we don't actually time it or track it, no timesheets, so it's just a guide for people. But more often than not, than not the only thing I have to do is stop people working extra, um, never the other side of it. And I think that in general, it comes down to the fact that people want to do good work. Like no one enjoys their day at work when they've done nothing or they've procrastinated and, they, and they've you know done poor work. That's not enjoyable. That's not motivating. You come home from work happy when you really solved some things. You did some great work. You came up with some good solutions. That's when you've had a good day. So I think the um, the idea that we need to control people and try to trick them or force them into getting their day of work done is crazy. What we need to do is remove obstacles and get out of their way and let them do that good work that people already want to do. Mm. So true. So true. So tell me then, what do you do to do good work? Is there any little, little Joel hacks around the place that uh, get you in the zone to do good work? 
Sure. Um, I would say coffee helps a lot. But I think the main thing that I learned over time, and it was really hard to do, was when I'm sitting at my computer working and I find myself like browsing websites or procrastinating uh, what I'm doing is to walk away. Because, you know, too often if you're in an office job or a place where they're watching that you're at your desk, if you're um, not being productive and just can't bring yourself to do some work, you might go read some websites and do something else, but it doesn't actually refresh you. So you don't then do that for half an hour and then you're like, right, I'm fired up, I'm ready to go. So what I found for myself is if I notice myself doing it, and sometimes it's even hard, you don't realize till you're 10 minutes into reading a blog post or something that you're actually, you know, you've shifted. But if I do, I think walking away, go for a walk, go do something physical, go do something else is the best chance to get myself refreshed. So when I come back to my computer, I'm ready to go. And like I said, it's a challenge. And even, you know, working in the environment I work in and no one looking over my shoulder, it's still hard to not feel guilty when you just walk away for, from what you're doing. But the net result overall, I think, has been a, a positive uh, mm. productivity gain for me. Sure. It's, uh, it's fascinating. So to just wrap up where we've been so far, we've got plenty more to touch on. But for listeners, and I guess we want to make sure through this podcast episode that, you know, Joel, you run a tech company that's remote. And I think some listeners might feel a little bit distant or removed from that. But the truth is there's so many lessons that we can gain to come back to the start. Transparency and being open and honest with your clients wins every time. When you're trying to protect and hide things uh, from a clinic point of view, clients can sniff a rat a mile away. And so sowing that transparency means you get better quality of clients and essentially a raving fan network, whether it's tech like you guys or in a clinic situation, it creating a workplace where your team can, can do outcome-based work, not necessarily on the clock or that's measured in an arbitrary way, but is based on outcomes is super important and create an environment where they can do their best work. Actually, from learning from you, we've created a, our team now where they can work whenever they want. They've got unlimited leave as long as clients are cared for and it works for the rest of the team, it doesn't matter. And so now our guys are completely free to create uh, create a, a work lifestyle that suits them and they do better work. So it is relevant for, uh, for clinic owners that have a bricks and mortar clinic. There are some limitations to remote work when it comes to hands-on therapy, but it's certainly practical for clinic owners as well. I was going to say, I think also the biggest thing of just like trusting your team and trusting that they want to do good work and not feeling like you need to put controls around it to force them to do so. Because one of the things people worry about is like, if people can choose when they work, what if like everyone in your team chooses to work the same time and you don't have enough rooms, for example? But chances are you've hired nice people and considerate people. <laughs> And they will actually talk to each other and understand that they don't all fit in two rooms at the same time and they can work that out. And they probably want your business to succeed because right. without that, they don't have a job as well as hopefully they like you. So it's not that they just like going to have purely selfish intent to make those decisions either. You know, hopefully you have some good people working for you and they will, you know, have that bigger picture and you can even enlighten them of the bigger picture. That's motivating too. If they understand what's going on in the business, what the business needs are, perhaps even sharing your business financials and goals or whatever it might be. That gives them something, you know, some more information to make their decisions upon as well. Because one of the things we kind of found, for example, our support team um, are completely entitled to make any decision they want financially. So that's around, you know, refunds and credits and things like that. They don't have any sort of budgets to work to or they don't have any limits that they're set at but they have information available to them so they can make good decisions. If they didn't know how much customers were paying or they didn't have some bigger picture ideas, they wouldn't have an idea what's an appropriate amount. So I think that like sharing information with the team as well and that transparency is what lets them make good decisions too. Why do you think business owners protect that? 
I think people are worried that like, oh, if the if the team knows how much money the business is making, they're going to want to have a you know bigger share of it. But I think that undersells people. I think that people understand there's business expenses, there's advertising, there's you know there's like ten years of running a business that you've built up goodwill that is worth something. I think that there's things that go into the reason that your share of the business is what it is that people can understand. So I think um, that's part of it. And I think there's just like almost a default that we don't talk about this stuff. So we, we don't, you know, we don't want to change. And money, money can be an awkward conversation in general. So people like to stay clear of that. But I'm not sure that there's a compelling argument for it more than that's how we've done it in the past. Hmm. Okay, interesting. And I like that you talk about compelling arguments. I think one thing I've learned from you is that you've got to hold nothing sacred, right? And, and challenge everything in order to get outcomes. And I guess that's where Clinico comes from. Can you talk to some of the problems uh, or challenges that Clinico solves that you see in health clinics and owners that they're wrestling with to try and deliver great services? What have you seen? And then out of that, what has Clinico solved? Sure. So I think one of the obvious ones is for people that don't either don't have a system or don't have a web-based system like ours, the ability to access it out of the clinic. So there's a lot of advantages you get from being able to access your system remotely. You know, I think the most obvious one that we dealt with with my partner before she was using Clinico was if she wanted to know what time she starts on Monday, uh, you know, because she wouldn't go into the clinic until she's got a, a client. Sure. She would have to call up um, the owner of the business and he would either go into the clinic to check the physical book or if they had a system he could remote into, then he might do that. But just like the ability for, you know, the team to know when they're working the next day and access their schedule is a big one because that schedule obviously changes all the time. Mm-hmm. I think that for people to be able to even complete their notes um, afterwards can be a good thing. So if you're flat out for the day and you've done a bunch of notes and, you know, in Clinico we'll call them draft notes where you haven't quite completed them that, and then at the end of the day you're going to finish them off, well, you don't need to be bound to the clinic to do that if you can access it remotely. So if you've got a family, for example, that's a big deal. That means you can go home, you can see the kids while they're still awake, and then once they've gone to bed, you can finish off your notes. So not only is it convenient for you, but it might be an enabler for you to have a bit of better work-life balance. Uh, I think those are probably the two biggest um, with a sort of remote access of Clinico. There's a lot of automation in it that helps people. You know, again, um, often people would have had a receptionist sitting at the front desk sending out SMS reminders to everyone that's coming in the next day and maybe take two or three hours of their time to do so. You can automate that function. And a lot of this is with Clinico or other systems as well, just an advantage in general of, I think, bringing technology into your clinic. I think what you've done well with Clinico, Joel, is that it's it's simple but not simplistic. Can you speak to, actually, I didn't warn you on this one, but around the reports, um, a lot of people might say that, oh, the reporting in Clinico is, is too simplistic. I would argue that's not, but can you kind of paint a picture of to uh, why it's enough? Sure. I, I, the biggest problem we have with reports, um, and it might sound funny, is people will use them. So <laughs> I, I feel a real obligation to only be putting in information that I, I feel like can give you an actionable result that you can trust. There's a lot of reports we could put in there with some interesting information that you could look at, but I'm scared that if it's not information that paints a complete picture and can be misleading, people are going to act upon that. And the last thing we want is practitioners being paid based on metrics that aren't reliable or you changing decisions in your business based on information that doesn't give a complete picture or or could be misleading. And it's a challenge in general with reporting and statistics is you can kind of tweak them to show anything. Mm -hmm. You can make things look good. You can make things look bad. So getting metrics that are reliable and trustworthy and you can act upon is a challenge. And I don't think we're complete. And I think we certainly have more to add into there. 
But I think what we've got is that at the moment, and it's why we're so hesitant to add reporting in general, is we've got to feel good because tens of thousands of people are going to use these reports that we add in and potentially deem them a good idea to base decisions on. So it's just a responsibility for us to be careful with. Yeah, I like it. And I guess you can measure everything, right? You know, you're working with software that can do everything and anything, but what's meaningful and relevant to making good decisions is really the key. Can you speak to uh, where Clinico is going? So what are some of the things that, what are the problems that you're looking at solving? Sure. So right at the moment, unfortunately, where we're going is solving GDPR compliance. There's some regulations in the EU at the moment that are changing. And we're what, doing a lot of work. What, what's your take on that? And is it relevant for Australia? It definitely is relevant for Australia. So my take on it is that it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love it. Despite okay. the headache that it is for us at the moment and the amount of work we need to put into it, I think it's brilliant because it's really prioritising people's privacy, um, transparency of information you store about them and giving people control over their information. And I think this is way overdue. When you think about the way Facebook, Google, some of these big companies, what they're doing with data at the moment, our laws have fallen behind. Right. You know, they, These companies are doing things that if we, if we had the laws in place, we would not allow it. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's, uh, it's much needed and the EU is really at the fore front of this and to be honest I think that our laws in Australia are a bit lax uh, and could be stronger and could be more in this direction. So the approach we're taking with Clinico is we obviously need to meet these needs for our European customers Mm -hmm. but we're not rolling it out to Europe we're rolling it out to everyone because we think they're good things. So an example we recently uh, released the ability to permanently delete a patient or a client out of Clinico. So previously you could archive and delete them, but they kind of stay around in the background and we could always bring them back if need be. They'll still be in our backups and things like that. And this is a legitimate full delete. If you click that button, it wipes every trace of them out of Clinico. Mm -hmm. So obviously you only want to use it at the right time. But that's really great for a patient that doesn't want their data stored in this system or with your clinic anymore, that you actually have access to remove that and know that it gets removed from everything sure. completely. So I think those sort of features are a good thing. We've brought in a little flag in Clinico that just lets you store in one place whether you've had your patient sign your privacy policy for your clinic. So most clinics will have some sort of privacy policy that says, you know, here's what we do with the information we store on you but there wasn't a way in Clinico or a centralised way to say who has signed this and who hasn't. So putting little things like that into Clinico is good. We're, we're working on an export at the moment where you can actually do a dump of every bit of information that you have stored in Clinico on a particular person that you could then give to that patient or client if they requested. So again, um, you know, it probably depends on the type of clinic you run, the sort of notes you have, whether you'd want to do that um, here. But in Europe, it's mandated that by law, people are entitled to request that. And I think that's good. So we put a lot more tool in Clinico that's almost for your customers, for your patients, for your clients. Um, but I, I think it's with good integrity. I love it. And uh, what about things like, you know, the, the question on everyone's lips around um, integrations with other platforms within Australia, or other softwares? Can you give us anything on that? Sure. So we very early on prioritised um, building what's called an API, which is the ability for other programs to integrate and talk to Clinico with your permission, of course, as a customer. So you have to provide effectively a passcode out of your system so anyone could access your information. But we, we did that very early on because we knew partly we can't build everything. Uh, and, um, you know, so in order for Clinico to meet everyone's needs, we need to open it up so that other people can build integrations with it. Mm-hmm. And the other part is that, like, our expertise isn't in everything, you know. Even if we could build these other things, like, we're quite focused on the core of what Clinico does. So there's other applications, like I know you've talked a bit with um, Hutan from Clinic Apps. Mm-hmm. 
um, that do a lot around patient communication, for example, is probably one of the strongest um, things they add there. So for us to build a system like he's built would take us a long time, and there's no guarantee we do as good a job because that's his focus, that's what he's working on. So um, he's built this thing. It works with Clinica, and it's an option for people to add on. You can have a look at Clinic apps if that's you know what you're after. And there's a bunch of other uh, applications like it. There's exercise rehabilitation programs that patients, clients to use. There's a whole lot of booking engines online like Health Engine, HealthShare First Available that you can connect to that can help you get new clients and also integrates with your Clinico um, appointment calendar. So there's really a lot of them out there um, that can sort of make Clinico better, make Clinico more powerful. And, you know, from our side, it's great because we don't have to build it. Um, <laughs> And we just couldn't, you know, as much as productive as we can be, we can't get to everything. So I think it's key for Clinico to be an all-round system and to make sure you can get everything you want. It's key for us to spend time building this API, which we do once, and then all these other developers can take advantage of. So it's been critical for us, I think, and it's a, a huge boon now that if you use Clinico, there's plenty of other things you can use that connect with it. Yep, Absolutely. Um, what do you see the best Clinico users do? What are, what are good clinics using Clinico? How are they using it to its full potential? I'm a bit biased because I've got tech background, but I would say the best ones turn on two-factor authentication to protect their user accounts. Okay. And I would say they have very strong passwords. One of the things that I do see in talking to clinics and people in general, it's not just in the healthcare space, is understanding of sort of um, technology security is not great. And, you know, so even if I can throw some tips out for people now just quickly, in Clinico there's a thing called two-factor authentication. It basically means you also get a code on your phone when you log in to enter. It's excellent. It greatly increases security for your account. I would say turn it on. And the other thing is use a long password, um, ideally around 16 characters long, but, you know, just probably longer than what you have at the moment <laughs> and not something easily guessed and, and you're doing pretty well. And I would say don't worry about numbers, symbols, letters, you know, capital letters, things like that. It doesn't matter. Just a long password is good. Mm-hmm. And an easy way to do it is a short sentence that you can remember. If people do that, their clinical account and other systems they use will be a, a lot more secure. Love it. That's, uh, yeah, fascinating. I transitioned to LastPass, uh, which is a software management tool, uh, yep. a couple of months ago, and it's, it's changed my life. <laughs> it really yep. has. I um, use LastPass. There's also one password that are password managers, and they're fantastic, both of them. Mm, I love it. So a couple of final questions for you, mate. How do you lead your team? How do you focus on client work versus kind of managing, not that you do much managing of your team, but how do you manage that? So it's really um, very little managing in a traditional sense. My focus is the product. My focus is Clinico. So I care a lot and I'm very opinionated on what features go into it, um, how they're designed, what the usability is like. That, that's really where I think I add my most value in our team. So I spend more of my time there. Um, and in general, making sure the team, I guess, sees the bigger picture, understands the goals, knows why we're doing it. You know, it, it is very easy for us to be motivated because we have a lot of people using the system and the people that use our system are doing good things in the world. They're, they're helping heal people. So it's, I've got an easy job as far as motivating people, I guess, because yep. of a very compelling mission, what we do. And when we make changes to the system, a lot of people benefit from it, you know, through to our users and then the patients in the end. So I feel like that side, I have it easy. Okay. So how do you, how do you work with your team? Um, you're not in one location. So we're talking Slack or video messages. Yeah, so most of our communication happens in Slack, which is a team chat tool that I also recommend a lot of clinics have a look at for their sort of internal messaging between reception practitioner or just general um, things within your team. I think it's great. 
we do do video calls. Um, sometimes you just can't beat, you know, seeing the other person at the other end and having a chat. And then also um, as a team, so we do a, a team-wide meetup every two years where we get everyone together in one place somewhere in the world. And then aside from that, we also, um, our team members that aren't in Australia are welcome to come visit um, and stay here anytime they want uh, and we'll cover that. So often what we end up with is a bunch of mini meetups. We had one about a month ago where we had almost all our developers out here. There was about 12 people out and got together for two weeks and, and just worked together in one place, which was good. Mm, love it. Mate, uh, we, there's a lot of things we haven't touched on here. I'm sure people can find all that information on your website. There's a lot of common questions around uh, how to transition from one platform into Clinico and, and those uh, mechanics type stuff. I'm sure people can find out on your website. If they want to know more about Clinico, where do they go? Yeah, so Clinico.com is a good place. And we've also um, recently launched a community site, which is community.clinico.com, which is a great place to ask questions if you have any. And you can pretty much you know, reach anyone in our team through there. Fantastic. Mate, uh, I look forward to chatting again. I know there's a few things in the pipeline that uh, will be very interesting to podcast listeners. So thank you for your time, mate. Really appreciate you joining us here. Thank you for having me. And listeners, if you need the uh, show notes from today, we'll link up all the things that Joel's mentioned today from Clinico website through to some of those tools that he uses. You can find that at clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast for all of your show notes there. Thank you for your earbuds today. We look forward to bringing you another episode. This is the Grow My Clinic podcast by Clinic Mastery, where we help you deliver amazing client experiences to grow your clinic.